1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of On the Turnbuckle on my podcast or wherever you're listening it through whichever device or media streaming service. We're not on Netflix
2: yet, but we should be.
1: My name is Welshi. I'm joined today by my co-host, Lyle. Very good day, Lyle. How are you?
2: I'm going well, mate. Uh, how about yourself?
1: Good. I'm wondering where the... I'm a lot better. Um, the neck brace is off now, as you can see. Yep. Um, yep. So I'm recovering from... The brutal unprovoked attack from Carlo Cannon two weeks ago. But um, as I've said privately, he's going to get his. Now, that dingbat Tony's not with us tonight. So I thought we would invite on one of, I'm going to say one of Australia's most, if not the most, recognizable wrestling fan <laughs> in the country. You can usually see him in the front row being the most expressive human being alive. In my personal life, I've seen him on roller coasters being the most expressive man alive. Jules, how are you? What's the story? How are you going? Welcome to the podcast.
3: Oh, I feel very welcome. Thank you very much. Welcome I'm doing my, uh, my Macaulay Culkin, Home Alone, shocked face. <laughs> Liger's coming to Australia right now <laughs> for the benefit of all the audio viewers at
1: home. Um, which is all of everyone because we don't
3: <laughs> do, we don't do um,
1: video. But um, I know you were meant to come to Wrestle Rock on Friday and you weren't there. You pulled out last minute. Richie Taylor's also pulled out last minute. I know you two are good friends. Is there something that we should be looking into with this?
3: It's just vegan stuff, you know, secret vegan stuff. We can't tell you about it. All the vegan listeners will know already. So, you know, make sure you don't put it in the comments, don't put it in any of the, the socials. You know, it's just vegan things. Uh, Actually, you know, I think it's, um, we just didn't want to offend uh, on that special day, Good Friday.
1: Well, is it true that you're, you're only a vegan because then you don't have to look at the calendar and it ensures that you don't eat meat on Good Friday, thus upsetting God?
3: Absolutely, 100%. It's an efficiency thing. You know when you're eating meat, you know when you're eating fish, you know when you're eating eggs, you know when you're eating milk, chocolate, Easter eggs. It's never.
1: It means you don't fuck up.
2: Yeah,
1: there's something in that for all of us, I think.
3: Yeah. Does that your... mean every day is a good Friday for the vegans? Every... Oh, every day is a good day for the vegans, Yeah, yeah. apart from Wrestle WrestleRot Day.
1: <laughs> the most debaucherous day on the calendar. Um, oh, we're obviously brought to you today by the Australian Wrestling Network, um, the best place to get your fix of Australian wrestling. Have you checked anything out recently, Lyle?
2: Uh, not not in the last uh, week or so, but um, I know there's always content being uploaded on the on the weekly. So keep an eye out. It is great value for money in Australian uh, wrestling. That's for sure.
1: It's better value than WWE on Peacock for our American friends. That's for sure. <laughs> um, we also need to plug um, our T-shirt through WrestlerMerch dot com. Um, I keep neglecting to do that. Um, Tony has threatened that if we don't sell a few T-shirts, he is going to be forced to start an OnlyFans. And I don't know if that's anything um, anybody wants to see, but the best photographers in, in Australian wrestling have already been in contact, so we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah. Last week's episode, Scarlett Harris was on. That was a, a good chat, Wow uh,
2: Yes, uh- Different point of view of, uh, of wrestling. Obviously, the book is great. I finished it over the weekend. Highly recommend it. So pick it up in uh, any good bookstore or digitally online. It's probably it's, in the ship uh,
1: bookstores as well, to be it,
2: fair. Even if you don't like the bookstore, I'm assuming it'll be in there. Um, yeah, it's a different take on you know, the WWE Women's Revolution. Um, you know, WWE turning into a bit of a propaganda um, Turn into a, a, a PR stunt instead of just giving the fans what they want. But um, yes, yeah, we'll wait till we cover Hall of Fame later.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so- yeah, it was it was good, and uh, I was just um, happy that Tony didn't say anything stupid to be fair. Um, we probably did say something stupid. I haven't listened back um, yet, but we have a, a very special guest today. Um, a man who does need an introduction because um, he's demanded it to come on here. Uh, he is one of the most entertaining Melbourne wrestling identities and personalities. I think he's done just about every role in Melbourne wrestling. The man who inexplicably gets called Hawkeye by Tony. Um, it's Hawkeye. G'day mate, how are you?
4: Hello, fellas. Yes, listeners. It's me, the God Emperor of Melbourne Wrestling, the King of the West, the, you know, invisible hand of Victorian wrestling. None of the things that, that I've been called. Um, how are we going, fellas?
1: It's <laughs> good, though. This is where you can um, get your own nicknames um, and try and get them over. Um,
4: yeah, no, no. Uh, it, as I've been told, anybody that gives themselves a nickname is either horribly horribly insecure, just a massive douchebag. So, um, yeah, no, I'm not giving myself nicknames.
1: Well, I mean, nicknames don't stick unless you hate them. Is in my that's,
4: that's true. I mean, I am horribly insecure, but that's for a whole range of other <laughs> reasons.
1: <laughs> that's what therapy's for. I'm sure we can't help with that one. Or uh, be uh, We saw you at Wrestle Rock on Friday night where... You were delivering the mimosas as
4: usual. Ah, oh, it was a it was an Easter miracle this time around. So, you know, unfortunately, as is what happens at Wrestle Rock, I might have had a few pre-show beverages and might have accidentally tripped over. However, you know, just like Jesus rose from the dead, the drinks <laughs> rose from the dead as well. It was an Easter miracle. We all. You know, we all celebrated. And then that prick, Jake Andrew Arthur, kicked me off the stage. And my knee's still uh, sore. You can say fuck. Oh, I can say fuck. fuck. Yeah, my knee's still fucked. You can can say whatever you want on here.
1: Actually, no, 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 no. You're Hawker.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Within reason. Anything you say. Within reason. Wow. Because
1: Tony's bad at editing.
4: Editing, talking, (laughs) announcing... Giving Mikey Mikey the shows to put on Australian Wrestling Network.
2: No, he's bad at at everything. (laughs) Luckily, he doesn't listen to the show.
1: That's what we can do. You can say what you want about Tony because he never listens. While he's editing, he still doesn't listen. (laughs) That's the level of professionalism we're talking
4: about. Honestly, if I was Tony, I wouldn't want to listen to me back either.
1: (laughs) Or him. So you don't strike me as a Mosa guy, (laughs) Thorko. It
4: so the most of things started from wrestle Brunch two days ago. What oh, day. that was that was a messy day because you know for for those who, who don't know, Joel Bateman and I have kind of had our you know hands in helping organize a lot of the production side of a lot of shows around Melbourne, and we'd had a show the night before, put the ring into the truck, and was out of the venue at two thirty went home, slept on the couch for about mm, four hours and was up and headed to the corner. Now, the problem is, is that when you're at the corner, you you know, you know start work and then all of a sudden, one potato, two potato, three potato, four beers later, it's like, oh, it's brunch. You know, it's really nice at brunch, mimosas. And so then the mimosas were born, but the dropping it wasn't <laughs> Planned. That was (laughs) that was that was your Titus O'Neil moment. No, I I wouldn't say Titus O'Neil because you know he's still getting booked. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) yeah, it was. There's actually a photo that Digital Beard took of the mimosas coming out, and you actually see the hand just about to hit the tray. And it's almost like the frame from the the Zabruta film. You can see it go back and to the left, back and to the left. You can actually pinpoint the person. And they know who they are. And I hope they don't, you know, they haven't been able to sleep for the past two and a half years. But, yeah, they ruined that spot. And, you know, it just traveled from there. It ended up going into, you know, just a, a nice running gag that, occasionally sometimes works and occasionally fails horribly. More times failing horribly than not.
2: (laughs) (laughs) At least you've been able to run with the gag. So you've got to turn the negative into a positive.
4: Well, that's it. You know, it's, it's, it's become, you know, a, a staple of wrestle rock and, you know, it's almost like the, I like to think like the Olympic torch during the Olympics. It doesn't actually start until the mimosas get spilled.
3: To follow on maybe from what Hawker was just saying about the mimosas, Wrestle Rock doesn't start uh, until the mimosas come out. I think my concern is when Wrestle Rock ends, because I'm not really sure when it ends. Uh, it, and it, it doesn't. You kind
4: of, that, the hangover from Wrestle Rock night travels until, you know, the, the next to Wrestle Rock, which will be during Good Beer Week. Cheap plug. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, look, I, I have to say, I am. Um, Wrestle Rock will forever be in my heart for the fact that when I lived in Perth and I traveled over for Wrestle Rock and I managed to not know when Wrestle Rock ended um, and forget that I had a flight at about six in the morning. So, missed that flight home to Perth um, and then had to buy a new one. But the new one was on an AFL game day, and it was Port Melbourne, West Coast Eagles. So, it was an $800 flight home. So oh, yeah. thank you, Russell Rock, for a lesson that I probably still haven't learned, but a memory that I'll never forget. Uh,
4: bless
2: Russell Rock. <laughs> Just adding to the legend of Russell Rock, that's for sure. Well, there's been been
4: plenty, and a lot of them I am legally bound to not mention any of the stories from Russell Rock because, um, you know, it's kind of a, I know where the bodies are buried and a lot of a lot of people also know where my bodies are buried on Wrestle Rock night, so it's kind of mutually assured destruction. It's if I snitch everyone's going down including me. And I don't want to go down. <laughs> I am enjoying my uh you know life yeah. at
2: the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um how, how did you first get into the Melbourne wrestling scene?
4: Um so I started god 10 or 11 years ago because i made the promise to myself that i wasn't going because i wanted to you know when i was 17 18 but i waited until i finished university because you know i just thought it's probably the best thing to do i've got this massive hex that i might as well finish it and you know lo and behold finished it and then as soon as long as i've been working in my you know, ludicrously stressful real job, I've been involved in wrestling. So it was, it started off, I just, you know, knew some people who were involved in it and started doing a little bit of tech stuff here and there. And then eventually, you know, became mates with people like Joel Bateman. Um, we bonded over a Greg the Hammer Valentine shirt that said I broke wahoo's leg. Um, and you know, just, went down to George's, started learning to, you know, learning the ropes and eventually just kind of fell into bookings here and there. Because the thing is at the time there wasn't that many Melbourne, you know, Melbourne managers, you might've had Jules, Walker. Um, At that point, you know, Dubs was still in New South Wales. There really wasn't that many and just kind of fell into bookings here and there being paired with guys who, you know, could go in the ring, but might not be that, you know, need that little bit of extra with, you know, Mike stuff or drawing heat, et cetera. And just, you know, falling into bookings there. And yeah, it was, you know, a a interesting way because, you know, a lot of the kids that I brought, well, I say kids, you know, a lot of the guys I broke in with now, you know, they're still in their mid to late twenties and I'm sitting here, (laughs) <laughs> in my mid thirties. And yeah, like it's, it's that weird thing where, you know, there's seeing these kids come through that are just still at university or going back to university. Now um, I did all that first because, you know, to do uni and train and all that kind of stuff. Plus the fact that I went to university of Ballarat, which is a notorious drinking school, um, I would have, you know, probably dropped uni really quickly so yeah that's how i kind of got stuck
2: into it did you ever did you ever entertain becoming a uh, wrestler like all good uh, young wrestling fans wanted to becoming a wrestler one day or you knew the manager was your side
4: it was kind of it was twofold one i was a massive and this sounds incredibly silly I was a Julius Smoke fan from Ring of Honor all the way back in you know two thousand and three, two thousand and four. I fucking loved the Rottweiler because I thought Julius Smokes was the man. Kind of wanted to be like him, but you know, white and dorky instead of you know, cool. Um, and the other th- the other thing is, is like I've got genetically bad needs. So you know, a lot of a lot of things that wrestling requires of the body, I actually can't do, and I kind of knew that from an early age. So I kind of went, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to main event Hulk, Hulk, main event WrestleMania, but, you know, I might be able to make a terrible joke at the Thornbury Theatre. So it's, yeah. Plus people like, you know, uh, Bobby Heenan, Paul Heyman, um, you know, even Sonny. You know, Sonny's ballet, ballet stuff, there's a lot of stuff, especially with Man for Hire, that I <laughs> kind of looked to Sonny as an inspiration, as, you know, the dits But, yeah, it was it was. I was never going to, you know, actually, you know, have matches and do all those kind of things. Part of me wishes I could, but I just, you know, hey, find your niche. That's something I was told when I was younger.
1: Who have been some of your favourite guys to work with and manage over the
4: journey? Um, like the personal, most obvious one is Joel. Um, like he's my best friend outside of the business. Um, and some would say only to- friend. Pardon. Some would say only friend. Yeah, I'd say only friend too. Um, <laughs> but but that, like working with Joel was was really good. Working with people, uh, you know. Back in NAW, people like uh, Xavier Black, who you know has a lot of you know good qualities. Especially when he was working, you know, back in the early 2010s, he was doing some interesting stuff. And working with him was a lot of fun. Um, working with the man for Hire boys, you know, Canby, K- now Atlas and Lindo, some of the most ridiculous spots. We're just, you know, shit talking in a group chat, you know, Oh, what if we did this and just looking to do ridiculous stuff and not be serious, 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 which I think, you know, one thing that we have to remember is professional wrestling is fundamentally silly. It can be serious and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's an entertainment thing. And you've got to have the, you've got to have the, the comedy. You've got to have the clowns at the circus, you can't just every match can't just be serious. Mm, I don't like you. I'm going to, you know, wrestle you and be a serious guy. Like you've got to have that comedy. And I think a lot of the stuff that I'm most proud of is that comedy stuff. And that's something that, you know, I was told pretty early on a lot of places don't, didn't see me as a you know, serious, you know, evil mastermind type character. They saw me as the comic relief, which was, you know, what, kind of helped um, frame a lot of the stuff that I did was to make me laugh, to make my friends who I was working with laugh and then make the, the crowd laugh because it's, yeah, you, once you know what you're good at, and that's something that a lot of, as I say to a lot of the younger guys, find what you're good at because if you're good at it, then people will want to book you for it. They're not just going to book you and slap a gimmick on you and go, well, now you're the repo man. (laughs) Then do that, like uh, try and find what you're comfortable with and what you can provide.
3: So if you had to uh, pick a a dream client from the Australian wrestling scene at the moment to be the Randy Savage to your sensational Sherry, um, who would that be?
4: Oh, uh, God, that's actually a really good question. Um, one person or can I say a stable? Oh, a stable oh. would be good. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a little bit silly, but, you know, probably Joel, Charlie Evans, may, maybe someone like Callan Butcher and myself and just kind of rip off the hate club. From CZW, but call ourselves the Mate Club, um, which is a terrible pun, but <laughs> pops me every time. Um, but yeah, just, just I think that's something that doesn't didn't really track that. There's you know people like Dewey Donovan in CZW who managed Nick Gage. It was a was a deathmatch manager, and you know w- was willing to take silly bumps and you know guys who are deathmatch guys i think i'd have a be able to have a lot more fun with not to say that you know callan chevs and jolly all cut fantastic promos. so it would almost be you know as you said the sensational sherry and just stand there and look pretty and <laughs> you know help, help me etc i think
3: That's the makeup would look
4: amazing on you though uh, I might do that this weekend for WrestleBrainia. PS, come <laughs> to WrestleBrainia this weekend. It's got Joel. It's got Royce Chambers. It's got Tony doing terrible announcements and Jeff.
1: <laughs> let's um, let's talk about WrestleBrainia for a second before we go back to it. Tony was trying to steal your gimmick on the weekend. Uh,
4: was which one?
1: Well, he came in a. Tony turned up in a Hawaiian shirt.
4: Ah, uh, yes, yes. Tony's Hawaiian shirt. I deleted that from my memory with about six pints when I got home from WrestleMania because that shirt was horrendous and I don't know what Tony was thinking.
1: Well, he was wearing it unironically as well, which was the beauty of it. But then uh, to, to, to Jeff's credit, he then stole Tony's gimmick by um, forgetting the name of PCW. So <laughs> um, talking about Aussie wrestling at the moment. Um, It's my opinion that there's a lot of guys who don't cut great promos at the moment. Do you think the role of the manager is underappreciated in Australia, where it could really help a lot of guys?
4: Yes and no. I think I'm glad you're being so committal. (laughs) Well, there's there's two there's two ways of looking at it because a lot of the guys who you know, might not have promos as their strongest suits. Don't have that defined character. Yet. You know, a, yeah. a lot of a lot of guys are, you know, unfortunately because they haven't found it yet. Uh, but, you know, Johnny Tights and boots, and that's not decrying anybody because a lot of these guys can do things in the ring that my body just looks at and goes, nope, you're going to have trouble getting out of bed tomorrow. Just living. Like those those guys are fantastic is what they do in the ring, and I think it's it's about finding because you you don't, don't want to throw a manager with every person, no. Because you know you want to find those guys who just need that extra, you know, peanut butter or that that extra little bit of chocolate syrup on top. It's like there's a, there's a couple of guys that I'd love I'd love to work with who are just slowly breaking through now, um, who are you know need could get that little bit of extra heat or you know shine depending on which way it was going. But yeah, like I think I don't think it's a lost dying art. I think it's more a case of different companies are looking at different things and what they want to present because the, the big thing is like a manager for one person, like I'll use um, Sam and Dom in uh, PWA. They're doing some, Fantastic work at the moment, and their promos, you know, are hilarious, but also, you know, getting getting the points across really, really effectively. And I think it's one of the best double acts north of the Murray at the moment. But you couldn't put Dom with anybody mm. like that. That works. So for to cut a long you know, a long answer, short. Like, I think there's there's some guys, maybe they could work really well uh, with a manager, but a lot of people coming in aren't looking at being managers, which is the other key thing. A lot of guys don't come in going, I want to be a manager. They come in going, I want to be a wrestler. I want to wrestle matches here, there, and everywhere. They don't want to just, you know, stand at the side and look pretty or scowl and tell people that they don't like their shoes or their shirts in Tony's case.
2: We'll throw salt um, in people's
4: guys. <laughs> that, ne- that was necessary. I had to help <laughs> drunk Uncle Beej out. You <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Talk about the chemistry that's
1: important between a wrestler and a manager. I think it continues on nicely from your last answer because there must be times where you've been shoehorned with guys um, and it's not the right fit. Yeah, like, and it, it's happened.
4: There's been situations where I've worked with people who, you know, didn't think that they needed a manager and that's that's the biggest, one of the biggest struggles that sometimes the promoter or the booker goes, hey, we're going to pair you up with a manager and they're like, I don't need a manager. And, you know, as the manager, you're just standing in the middle going, well, um, I'll give it my best shot, like, thanks mate but you know we've got a job to do but it's it's tricky because the the chemistry is so important you know like when when atlas and i first paired up you know that that first men for hire skit was funny but the chemistry and the free flowingness wasn't there yet and so like we we kept working on it, workshopping, coming up with ideas, and t- towards the end of the the Men for Hire run, there was the chemistry was there. We knew it, what each other were going to do. We knew what each what each other's strengths were. We were able to kind of bounce off of each other a lot more, especially with a less physical and more verbal role, like a manager. You've got to be able to have that quick dance, as the kids say these days, with your charge, so you can go, okay, well. You know, you're going to say X, I'm going to say Y. And then, you know, it's, it's almost like jazz gets that free flowing nature about it. But yeah, like I've, I've, I've had guys that you know they've, I've been paired with and three or four weeks later, I've quietly said to the promoter, hey, I'm trying my best, but they're just not, you know, they're not into it or the the chemistry's not there. It looks tapped on. I, it's something that's, ex, you know, you've got to explore, like, I think being, it sounds silly, but, you know, being familiar with the guy that you're working with is important to a path Um, because it it allows you to almost skip that awkward first date. So what do you do? What do you do? And all that kind of stuff. And you're able to, you know, do things a lot easier out there and draw that heat quicker.
1: The men for hire one was an interesting one because um you weren't so much trying to draw heat, um which makes it like it, it traditionally that's the manager's role is to draw that heat, but you guys were so entertaining that it was um it was more of a,
4: a baby face run. Yeah. And that's and that that was the thing about men for hire is we knew going in that it was going to be inherently silly. Like the pitch that I was given was basically think flight of the Concords and your Murray. So, you know, that changed a little bit, you know, with a few tweaks, but that, that general idea of, it was having two and then three people to create comedy with, rather than just having, you know, a rotating guest cast behind Candy as the man for hire works, you know, fantastically. And that, that whole gimmick could not work as a, um, could not work as a heel run because, you know, fundamentally at its core, it's silly. You know, if, it, if it men for hire were heel, they'd be mercenaries and technically yeah. that's, a, that's a war crime, so.
3: Right. Well,
1: it essentially just turned into the APA if you were doing it that way, so it makes it unoriginal. Um, yeah. Now, he's one of our favourites, but um, what was it like working with Limbo in that
4: run? It was, it was interesting because Lindo's humour is different. Skewed, it's skewed differently to kind of because Cambi and I both had a you know a love and a great respect for um, Adult Swim TV shows like uh, Eric Andre, et cetera, and British comedy. And Lindo's come in with a with a more coarse look at comedy, but that was that was. Interesting because we were able to get a different perspective on what worked, like the um, the Phil's first date video, which that, that's to, incredible. To this, yeah, to this day, I will still point out and go that is the greatest piece of work or greatest video segment released in potentially Australian wrestling. Um, but a, a lot of that was Lindo, like the um, the, the having two earpieces and, you know, the different advice that, that was Lindo coming up with that whole, you know, what if it's the devil and the angel, but just through earpieces. And, you know, that, that's, that worked really, really well. And like Lindo's, Lindo's a guy who, you know, he's, he's always willing to, you know, take a chance on something. Like he's, he's never closed minded. He's always like, "Yeah, that sounds interesting. Let's try it. And if it fails, cool. But yeah, he's a he's a, he's a solid guy, and he's he's got some he's got some comedy chops under you know the gyration."
2: <laughs> <laughs> what was, what was it like behind the scenes on uh, filming some of those skits? I could imagine what gets left on the e- editing room floor would be uh, just as fun as what makes it uh, to the finished product
4: honestly they were pretty tight because it, we'd get to a point where we we'd kind of throw ideas around back and forth back and forth back and forth and then go okay let's put a script out like we scripted most if not all of the men for higher promos and like scripting them i found was a lot lot easier to a pitch it to the powers that be because it was able to be read and understood about where we were going, but also allowed us to, you know, those, those spots we film in you know, a couple of hours in the afternoon. And a lot of it was just, you know, getting shots that we missed or doing things like that. There was, really wasn't much left on the cutting room floor. Um, the stuff that was edited or cut was stuff that will never see the night light of day due to, you know, potentially, you know, getting me run out of the country. <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of things that you know will will never see the light of day because some of those things should just not be said in public.
3: Uh,
4: don't say it. Don't don't say.
3: <laughs> I think we should probably somehow get a link to uh, to that Phil's first date in in the social somehow because. For me, I was pretty new to Australian wrestling at the time and, and I, I popped so huge for that and I went back and told all my friends I just couldn't believe that, that this was, was happening and, and it, just the whole picture of the in-ring and that uh, was just beautiful. It just kept me coming back for more, I have to say. Oh, yeah, be, I do
1: remember coming home from that show and um, bringing the video up as soon as I could and, and showing my partner, who's not a wrestling fan, just for the comedy chops of the actual piece, um, which is rare that you can do that as
4: a wrestling fan, especially in indie wrestling. Well, this is and this is the hardest part about um, comedy in wrestling. <laughs> Excuse me. Like a lot of a lot of things, comedy is so broad that it's so hard to find something that's not just funny for comedy, but is funny in general. Like I, I use um, Kikutaru as a great example. You know, Many years ago, uh, I was watching Kikutaru matches, and you know, my partner at the time go, "What the hell are you watching?" And I'm like, oh, "I'm watching this guy from Japan. He's called Kikutaru. He's hilarious." And she's like, no, "Wrestling's not funny." I'm like, "Sit down and watch it." And just through the, the sheer silliness and joy that was shown by everyone else in the ring, it was it, it the the comedy shown through not only the you know medium. Barrier of pro wrestling, but also the language barrier of you know um, being you know, Japanese wrestling. That's also comedy is very hard to get across. But it's it's a hard thing to do. And you know, thank you for mentioning that people found it funny because at the end of the day, it would just started off you know making me giggle.
1: Um, um, what's next for Orko?
4: Um, well, I'll probably have another couple of beers and then dressed up because I'm playing golf tomorrow. Um, honestly, so this is this is the thing. COVID did this weird thing to my brain where I just stopped and was able to take stock of my life at the moment. You know, like I, I stepped away from pretty much every company that I worked for, just kind of gave my notice, said, yo, I'm going to take a break, wander the earth like Kane from Kung Fu. But, you know, like I'll... I'll still be – I'm still around at some shows, you know, like WrestleBrainia this, this Sunday at the Catfish, 4 p.m. comes see me and my best friend Joel. Um, and, you know, Wrestle WrestleRock's Wrestle Rock's my one leave pass. You know, I'm able to just forget all about life and just go do WrestleRock and have fun. Um, but I'm just, you know, taking what comes at the moment. I've really enjoyed, you know, being an exil an, – ancillary part of you know Australian and to a lesser extent Melbourne wrestling by just kind of you know stand, standing in the back and just you know at DMTU cases, you know, making sure people don't die, helping making sure Joel doesn't die um, PS what's called not here to fuck spiders that's in 10 days and Joel's got Vixen in a barbed wire match and that's going to be disgusting so you know making sure Joe doesn't kill himself there but yeah just kind of seeing what comes at the moment because it turns out you know with no wrestling on over COVID I'm pretty good at my shoot job um, so you no know, kind of been focusing on that at the moment I might pop up somewhere who knows um I like to make sure that it's you know I'm still around and still got you know spies everywhere is you know someone on Game of Thrones would have said, but yeah, I'm just kind of ste- stepping away from things at the moment. But, you know, there's a lot that I've done over these, you know, 10, 11, 12 years. That I'm so proud of, you know, helping put wrestling on at festival hall. Yeah, it was, that was sick. Um, getting the IWG, you know, getting the IWGP heavyweight champions entrance, working in a ballroom in, the northern suburbs of Melbourne, and that was (laughs) sick. Like, there's so many cool things that I've had a small hand in that, you know, if I was just to turn around and start playing the sad Hulk music and walk away, you know, there's a lot of of cool stuff I've done, but, you know, I've still still got, you know, small little pinky fingers in large pies around.
1: And no one in wrestling's ever retired, let's face it. Oh, no, a few people
2: are.
4: <laughs> that's, not their choi- that's not their choice though Yeah Kamala had to retire um.
1: I'm sure um, I'm sure that when someone Pitches the right story to you um, That's what it will be Because I mean whenever I've spoken wrestling to you It's all about making those stories Matter and making them make sense And I guess um, Until that story Comes up the motivation is not Going to be there
4: I think it, it's it's the most important part and it's something that I've explained you know when I when I'm explaining pro wrestling to people who don't really get it I'm like fundamentally it's storytelling it's here's a good guy here's a bad guy they are going to fight for glory a championship or money like it's it's the stories are what makes pro wrestling great and good stories can bypass language can bypass style, they can bypass, you know, even having a ring, but having good storytelling is what matters. And I think a lot of a lot of people forget that from time to time. And I'm not not saying anybody locally, I'm more looking broadly, but looking at some independent wrestling, it's very Spot, 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 spot. And there's minimal stories. Like one of the stories I'm really interested in at the moment is, you know, this idea of who's going to take down Mudo in in Noah. You know, the fact he's beaten Goshiyazaki, the the guy who carried them through COVID. He's beaten the junior ace, or well, the like young boy ace pretty handily. You know, who's going to take down Mudo? And that's that's a story that's compelling. And, you know, I can maybe say three sentences in Japanese. So yeah, yeah stories, stories, super important. And you know, all it takes is a good story to get me a little bit more interested, a little bit more, you know, maybe I'll come back and go, yeah, maybe I'll dip the toe in a little bit more, but you know, not later on this year. There's a lot of video games out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, on that note, I just want to thank you for joining us. Um, I think you're sticking around for the second half of the
4: show. Yeah, what are we talking about? No one sent me a run sheet.
1: That's okay. It'd be a nice surprise for you when you uh, hear the topics. Um, (laughs) But thanks for joining us. Uh, People can catch you this Sunday at the Catfish.
4: Also, they won't be able to catch me this Saturday at the uh, Cheeky Pint in Footscray um, for the watch party for RSP's spring break. Unfortunately, I am uh, busy with other duties, but... For a deal for your listeners, if you find Joel Bateman and say, Corco sent me, you will get the honour to buy him a drink. He prefers <laughs> IPAs over lagers.
1: Um, it's a 10am no, start time, so the most is probably
4: would have come in handy. No, 10am 10 10 you start with Pilsners and then you work your way through to Stouts by
1: 1pm. Mm, yeah, that's about what the time. I'm, I'm turning up at about 2 so so... Uh, Everyone will be nicely toasted by then. It'll probably be over by two. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Hawk-o. Um And we're just gonna take a break.
4: No worries. Thanks, fellas. I'll be back. I'm
0: there.
3: Your don't matter. A step on
1: Welcome back to On The Turnbuckle. Um, that was a good chat with Hawker who's still with us, so I can't uh, really talk about him too much. But we are joined by Lenny Thomas for the Super Serious News segment. Welcome back. You were a bit under the weather last week.
0: I was a bit under the weather last week, which is very sad, because we did have some exciting wrestling news last week, but we've got some even more exciting and pretty funny wrestling news this week that I'm very excited to share with you all.
1: This is your opportunity. Tony's not here. You can say what you really think about him. Uh, I'm pretty sure he won't hear it. Um, we've been shitting on him the whole time.
0: Well, in that case, no, of course not. With Tony, great guy. hope he's enjoying his time away.
1: Uh, I know that um, Before we go to the news I know that Tony had an issue at the airport When he was leaving And um, he ended up almost getting a cavity search Because he forgot to tell them That he just had a knee replacement And that's what was setting the, the buzzer off <laughs> <laughs> It's a true story, people
4: good to, see you, good to see you finally ship Tony off To the old folks' home You know, out in the desert
1: He's so nice. in
2: Tassie oh, even, even better Shut the borders
1: Anyway, uh, what's happening in news?
0: Yeah, well, that's speaking of sort of old folks, it's a perfect segue into our first news um, for the night because WWE Hall of Famer Teddy Long revealed in a recent episode of the Wrestling Inc. Daily that he hasn't had much to do with the AEW brand due to the company deeming him too old. And so when speaking to Wrestling Inc. managing editor Nick Horseman, uh, long was asked if he has much to do with AEW and if he follows what some of his former coworkers like Vicky Guerrero have done on the brand. And so he replied stating that I don't really get the chance to watch much of AEW. I got word that I was too old to be over there. I don't know how they could say that, but I'm just saying what I'm saying, which is quite funny when you think about some of their recent signings from their WWE, but that made me laugh.
1: Maybe, um, Teddy Long would be a good fit at AEW. They do love a tag team match. <laughs>
3: yeah, and how did, how young do you have to be to say play a player and set up a tag team match at the end of the show? Um,
1: yeah. It's fair to say that Teddy would um, probably just be polite to Teddy. Um, I don't know that anyone, he'd be on anyone's radar, would he? Well,
4: maybe in a, Maybe NWA, like isn't Rodney Mack doing stuff with NWA? Like, Corgan needs to open the wallet for Teddy Long. Well, there.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's doing something on the independence. I know that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think um, WWE and AEW is probably, that ship might have sailed for Teddy, but you're right. He's got something to offer wrestling. What else is happening? I don't have my news sheet in front of me, so. I'm being professional as always.
0: No, of course. Um, Well, sort of another interesting interview that popped up this week um, was an interview with Chris Jericho with Inside the Ropes. And so during the interview, he revealed that his WrestleMania 33 match against Kevin Owens was originally planned to be the main event title match. However, the schedule was changed to make Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar the main event. Um, And so during the interview, he stated that, there's no bitterness when I tell this story or Any anger, it's just the way it is. I've been working in the business for a long time. One of the original plans from Vince's mouth to my ears directly was the main event of WrestleMania was going to be Jericho versus Owens for the world title. And Jericho wins the title for the first time ever as a babyface. I've never been a babyface world champion, he said. Weird to think of it, right? Seven-time champion as a heel. And so rather than being the main event, that match was then moved to second place on the card. And by putting that match second on the WrestleMania card, Jericho said that he realized that it didn't matter what he was doing in in WWE, revealing that this was the final straw for him to leave the brand. So that's a sad but unsurprising thing to hear that Vince did, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, the match that KO and Jericho put on wasn't very good at that WrestleMania either.
2: The story leading to it was the, the big story. So Agreed. I understand. yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. The festival of friendship and everything like that. But Kevin Owens and Jericho, main eventing ahead of Lesnar and Goldberg, those two marquee names. Yeah, probably not gonna happen in Vince as well.
1: Um, I saw today on um, Twitter actually that Jericho's blocked MVP. <laughs> Because um, he made a comment about the Trump donation. Jericho <laughs> and Trump. What a relationship. You'd think that Vince would be putting him in main events. main both They both
3: love a bit of Trump. Well, I think it's a fair point that there's um, two, despite the fact that looking back, it wasn't a great match, two wrestlers in the middle of a hot storyline. And then you have, you know, how can you turn down a Goldberg entrance, right, She? Well, G-
1: <laughs> I um, it's funny. There's like obviously what we've seen from Goldberg the last few years has been um, difficult to watch at times, but that Lesnar Goldberg um, story was. I remember it was. I really loved that at the time because it was it was something that um, was exciting and interesting, and like, they were doing short matches, and like, I, I was all in on that. No one wants
2: to. No one agrees. Uh, not my uh, cup of tea. <laughs> it was. It was. It was different to what WWE normally do because you know, it was five or six minute matches. I think was probably the longest at the time, and it was just finisher, finisher, and suplexes. Um,
1: a bit but, like a Rocky Hendricks and Uncle Beach match. Lots of finishes.
2: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I don't think the story uh, was as good as Jericho's and. Kevin Owens, that's for
3: sure. I don't have good WWE taste. I want every Brock Lesnar match to be John Cena at SummerSlam. Just brutal murder. Super that's Mike all I want to see.
4: Yeah. Yep. Uh, give, give me Brock versus Kurt on SmackDown. That one-hour submission, that oh. um, Iron Man match. That is a thing of beauty. Actually, I might put that on there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, and
0: what's wow. happening in uh, New Japan, Eleni? Yeah, um, so some cool news. Um, IWGP United States Champion John Moxley has his sights set on his next challenger. And so in a promo video that was tweeted early this week from the New Japan Global account, uh, Moxley challenged New Japan's Yuji Nagata, taunting him to accept the challenge and face him for his US title. And so Moxley's most recent US title defense came on the 26th of Feb episode of New Japan Strong, where he defeated Kento. And so he said in this recent promo that he's going after the hardest hitters in the game and challenged Nagata to grab his sixth shooter and meet him outside the saloon at dawn, like something out of an old Western film. So that's, that'll be a good match. Exciting for sure.
4: And Nagata's going to treat Moxley like Fedor treated him. It's going to (laughs) be less than a minute and Moxley's going to get knocked
2: the fuck out. Blue justice all over Moxley. Um, But it's good. I'm excited for these guys coming to the US to take some matches with Moxley. Um, Yeah, if he goes through some of the old guys, I think it'd be a different spin on what we normally get. So I'm really looking forward to it.
3: Yeah, looking as a fan of the wrestles, of the in-ring stuff, fifty-two year old Yuji Nagata. You can go, go, go. Any day.
1: It's um think- it's one thing that Japan does really well is treat the older guys in a way that extenuates what they can still do and um and, and, and doesn't try and make them be something that they're not.
4: I think I think the, the biggest thing is is the fact that they've kind of Booked themselves into a corner, and it's going to be blasphemous, you know, according to the IWC. But you know, with the removal of the IC belt and, you know, having a US champion who's still technically under contract to AEW, that, you know, they need to have these bigger marquee matches. And someone like Nagata, who has 30 plus or well, nearly 30 years of credentials behind him and was the man that's you know helped them through the greatest period of new Japan history and Enokiism but having having him have a match with moxley lends credibility not only to Mox as the you know iwgp US champion but also to the belt itself because it's kind of been forgotten about even, strong's got their new open weight strong title now so i think this helps re-elevate the us belt as that kind of mid-card you know european title level title in new japan especially without the ic belt anymore
1: yeah it's been a little bit outside out of mind hasn't it um And Rhea Ripley's got some WrestleMania news.
0: Yeah. um, Well, Loudwire has reported that singer Ash Costello will be performing Rhea Ripley's entrance theme live during her WrestleMania match against Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship, um, which is very exciting because I love Rhea's theme so much. I think it's one of the best ones going around. So I think to see it live will be awesome. Um, But the singer confirmed the announcement on Instagram, posting a photo with Ripley and stating that she is honoured to sing in support of such a genuine and strong woman and as a wrestling fan, excited to be a part of something she loves. And so she also went on to thank the fans by saying that it was their support that made this dream a reality. And as a result, many fans took to social media to voice their excitement about the news. And I think this is a really good thing and sort of adds hype to the match in general, given that there's really been no build up other than i guess Rhea's recent heel turn so i think it sort of makes this match a bit more relevant and exciting again
1: it's um it's a real good nod to Rhea that they've um they're giving her the big wrestlemania entrance because there's only usually a couple a year um and it's uh I, i'm i'm anxiously waiting to see them put the machine behind her because um, they dropped the ball twelve months ago.
2: Let's see what they do this year. I think, I think they're going all in uh, this time. Uh, learn from their mistakes, and yeah, starting off with the live entrance, it'll it'll work. It's no um, Kid Rock or Fred Durst, but thank God it'll still be, <laughs> it'll still
3: be good. Yeah, but also, there's no Machine Gun Kelly, which is even better. And oh, look, if they did do- If they did a Battle of the Bands with the Asker theme as well, uh, I might actually watch it. That'd be amazing. (laughs) Well, I don't know if CFO Dollar can play live or whatever. Well, I also don't know that they're still um,
1: affiliated with the WWE. I think they had a parting of the ways. And uh, WWE Music's been putrid ever since. Um, Thanks a lot for that, Eleni. That was uh, fantastic. And we'll see you next week with some, I'm guessing, WrestleMania news.
0: Yes. Um, thanks for having me, Keen to come back next week. And, yes, I imagine most of my news will be WrestleMania news, but lovely to chat with you, and I'll speak to you guys next week. Thanks, Eleni. See you all.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, so it is obviously WrestleMania week, um, and I don't remember ever being less hyped for a WrestleMania ever. How are you guys feeling about it?
4: Wait, it's yeah. WrestleMania week?
2: Mm. <laughs> I think I could legitimately maybe tell you three matches that, are, uh... and it's a two night show. I think I I'll could... tell
1: you, I'll tell you what all of the storylines have been. Um, these two guys have got a match at WrestleMania or girls. Let's make them a tag team and see if they can coexist. Oh, they can't coexist. Now there's heat for the match. That they've told four, that story three or four
2: times in this lead-up. That old chestnut.
4: Like, don't get me wrong. It's a perfectly like I've just literally boarded up on Wikipedia because I had no goddamn idea what it was on about. Um, like, it's a perfectly serviceable one-night card, mm. except it's been put on to two nights and a lot of filler. Like, looking. Like, there's a tag team turmoil match, turmoil match, that the winners then face near Nia Jax and Baszler on the second. Like, it, there's a lot of things here that I go, huh? Like, what is a Nigerian drum fight?
1: <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> not sure. I didn't know about that I, one.
2: Yeah, what I have no B-B- idea. Oh,
1: that'll, be, that'll be involving um, Apollo Crews, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, BB yeah.
4: versus Apollo Crews Nigerian jump fight. Drum fight for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. Well, I
1: mean, why no. everyone loves, I mean, what don't, don't you remember all those other classic Nigerian drum fights over the years? All
4: I'm hearing is that they're too scared to bring back the Punjabi prison.
2: <laughs> 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 Cowards, With that match you'll have to watch live because Peacock will be editing off their network straight away because of <laughs> being wow. culturally insensitive. Um, no, I. Is they having the two-night WrestleMania if, if all the storylines and you know enough enticing matches are there, justify two nights. But wouldn't it just be easy to have it over one night and get everyone on a WrestleMania battle royal if you have to give everyone a payoff um, instead of having it over the two nights? Because that's what... Lyle's gone missing. So that, that
4: was um, that was an interest, interesting thing that I saw. It's like from Monday or Tuesday here, like WWE has got at least two or three hours of content every night until next Wednesday. And it's, yeah, like that's that's oversaturation of the market. Like this is coming from like, you know this is, this is coming from a guy that used to watch you know literally everything all the time, but it's that. You know, okay, I'm gonna watch Raw and then I'm gonna watch the Hall of Fame and then I'm gonna watch Night One of NXT, then I'm gonna watch Night Two of NXT, and then SmackDown, and then WrestleMania, and then WrestleMania Night Two, and then Raw and then NXT again. And you go that if someone sat down and watched all of them, you know, is that potentially a war crime according to the Geneva Convention or <laughs> you know, like is that that's a lot of recaps and you know,
1: garbage. It, it's garbage that 's a good point, and it takes us into the next item, which um, Jules brought up, which is wrestling fatigue um, because on top of all that you 've got a w running their usual two and a half shows a week and um, and how many indie shows did you did you run oh, on this week
3: I've I, I ran some numbers and and look my this, these are my numbers, and then your mileage may vary but I, I counted like eight main WWE shows Monday to Monday, three NXT shows, um, a varying lengths, and then you've got four AEW shows, two Impact shows, including Hardcore Justice, which is obviously a must-see. Um, and then you've got one Ring of Honor, one NWA, um, three New Japan shows, and then you've probably got, I think, somewhere around 10 or 11 GCW shows as part of the collective, So we're looking at uh, upwards of thirty shows to catch in the week, and that's just the big shows. That's not even covering like, gosh, there's there's a big DDT show coming up as well for April Fool. There's Dragon Gate, Big Japan, All Japan Stardom. You know, there's just too much. So it's it becomes an interesting point about at what point do you prioritize and say I'm just going to watch the things I like the most um, rather than putting you through some shows, putting yourself through some shows that you know just aren't going to be amazing. Like for me, somebody tell me if um, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens is good and I'll go back and watch it, but I, I can't sit through all of that. I, I have to really prioritise because we've got real jobs, real lives. Um, we've got a couple of shows to go and see in Melbourne as well um, and anywhere else in Australia. So I just wonder at what point do you say, do you know what, enough's enough, if I just cut out a few of those um, yeah, life gets a little bit more manageable.
4: I think. I think the the bigger thing on that is the reason why there is such a diverse level of shows around, especially this week. You know, and I'll use Wrestle Kingdom week as a good example. It's like there's always, it's the week that draws people to wrestling. But you know, I I fail to know of a single person anywhere that will watch every single thing that is put out over the next, you know, eight days. But there is those options for those people who like wrestling and want the celebration of wrestling that WrestleMania has become to watch the independent shows, you know, the collective, watch the um RWTV stuff. Or the you know, the the people that still religiously watch WWE every week, or those people who have left WWE i just m- moving on to AEW or, you know, the people like me who are really, really excited for Hardcore Justice um, because Impact's fantastic now and I'll fight anybody who says otherwise. But I think that it's there's only a small number of people who will try and, you know, climb that mountain. But the majority of people, like you said, are, are now sitting here going, okay, what do I want to watch? What appeals to me? You know, I'm definitely going to be watching April Fool with DDT. I think um, Champions Carnival starts this weekend, so I'm really looking, looking forward to that. But, you know, Big Japan's got the Ikatosin going on at the moment as well. Like, I'll, I'll pick the things that I'm really interested in. I'll probably have WrestleMania on in the background while I'm working, you know, next week. Just for some background noise. But I'm not going to, you know, I'm not having a WrestleMania party as I did in my youth, you know, I'm not sitting there with a you know, 12 pack of beer and going, let's watch, you know, Seth Rollins cash in on Reigns and less. No, it's, it's now, you know, we're getting to a point, And I think a lot of people, the audience included, like the audience of this podcast included, we're getting to a point in our lives where we don't have to consume everything. You know, we've got Twitter that will, you know, give the cool stuff, but, we don't have to sit there and marathon something like 29 hours. I think it was of WWE content plus impact content plus a AEW content. We can be more selective, which is better for everybody because we're not getting burnt out on things. We actively dislike.
1: Um, obviously the crowds for WrestleMania are going to be a lot lower this year. Um, So I'm wondering how the ticket sales are going for these indie shows that um, sort of feed off the wrestling crowds that travel for um, WrestleMania because people from overseas obviously won't be in attendance and there's still a lot of Americans that would be reluctant to travel. So I'm wondering how that's going to affect how much money gets made by these indies um, and how much they're going to lean into the fight TV money instead.
4: I, th- I think there's there's a lot of them are running smaller venues than they would in a quote-unquote normal mania season. Um, you know, they're not, they're not running the the kind of venues that used to be run for the you know, Joe Janelle's spring break happening at midnight type situations. But I think a lot of the promoters who are running these shows, it's not their first rodeo, so they've probably calculated that risk enough that, you know, running a 400-seat venue and getting 200 people in, hypothetically, these are, you know, there are no facts behind this. This is purely speculation. I just want to outline that 1st I've probably made the the assumption that they can get in 200 people and break even. I know um, Tony Deppin's Beer House is purely crowdfunded. And he's getting close to being able to pay, you know, almost double the amount of what a lot of guys are asking on the show. That's cool. so there's, yeah, like it's a really, really cool concept. But there's, mm-hmm. there's ways that they're making their money or being able to break even, but get the the content and the virtual viewership, for want of a better term, out there. You know, like GCW's got nine or 10 events at the collective this year. And there's, you know, obviously culminating with the uh, RSP spring break, which can be seen live at the, at the cheeky pine in Footscray this Saturday, 10 AM. Cause Joel messed up the times. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, like they, I think the calculus. there's no one going there going, I'm, if I don't, if I run here, I'm going to lose my, you know, I'm going to lose my shirt. Most of the people with COVID and, all of the other things going on, know that the calculated risk that they're taking and know what they need to do to break even.
1: And um, NXT TakeOver also doing two nights. Um, It is good to see a couple of wrestlers who, you know, we've been wrestling in front of us quite recently um, or Bronson Reed and Indy Hartwell get an opportunity to wrestle on TakeOver. Yeah, it's it's exciting.
2: It's exciting. Yeah, Bronson being in the six band gauntlet. Um Yeah, you know, I think all of Australia. Tony's is, on it. Yeah, Tony Yeah, Tony's on. Dakota's That's on cool. it. Um, yeah. The uh, Indy's in a high profile match with, you know, Candace against Shotzi and Amber Moon. So it's it's good. It's you know, seeing guys locally and all around Australia and now making you know, big strides on the WWE network or Peacock. Do we, do we have to watch it on Peacock? Or... We don't, don't have that. No, we still out. have the network. Okay. Someone send me a stream. Um, um <laughs> you're a tired ass. <laughs> um,
1: I watched the hall of fame today. I don't want to talk about it too long, but, um, what it did do, it ran a lot quicker and a lot more smoothly. So hopefully that's something they do in the future.
4: It was weird. Like, cause I, I had it on in the background cause I thought, you know, I better do some semblance of preparation for tonight's <laughs> podcast. But, um, also I'm a big Aussie mark. So, you know, needed to see the Prince of Darkness, but yeah, yes. it was weird because like Aussie was, 20 seconds going, thanks for being in the WWE. I'm not sure it can go <laughs> longer than that anymore. Yeah. But like Liger's thing was pretty short, which was a goddamn uh, travesty. I don't know if it, I like when the Hall of Fame has that kind of, you know, it's almost like a shoot interview. A bit. Yeah. You know, the, the guys are telling those road stories. You know, granted people like Beth Phoenix's, you know, to quote OSW review, it's like,
0: hello, I'm <laughs>
4: Team But it's it was a lot tighter, but I think some guys needed that bigger atmosphere. Like someone like Eric Bischoff should have gotten twenty minutes just to talk about everything is done. Yeah. Um, well,
1: we didn't yeah. have we didn't have that keynote speech that people are gonna go back and watch for years to come that we seem to get every year. So I understand mm. what you're talking about. Um, like some of the speeches were better served being short, but Molly Holly, I would have loved to have heard her continue to talk as well, because Definitely. all we've been hearing about her recently, some things we've been hearing about Molly Holly that we possibly didn't know before. She is a fucking saint of wrestling. Yeah. Right. Like yeah,
4: incredible human being. Yeah. this, this, that's, uh, I would love to have, heard Molly go on, I would have loved to have you know, seen them spend a little bit more time than 20 seconds talking about one of the greatest managers of all time, Barry Hart, being inducted into the legacy section. That really annoys me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, even, even Kane, I thought, was, like, this is a guy that's been doing it since, you know, 95 as Isaac, Isaac Yanker. He would have so many interesting stories even just telling us about blue cane, like mm. Well I,
1: the NWO you know, like, speech. The NWO speech, um, and some of the other ones, because they were only given quite a limited time, they came across as quite hokey. Mm. Like whereas I know that Kevin Nash, for example, is a fantastic narrator.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, when they're trying to cram so much into one show and there was a lot and, and yeah, I don't It was two the, shows. It was two it was two shows. Yeah. But you, you know what the answer is, don't you? Two-night Hall of Fame. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised we've done two-night Hall of Fame.
1: They could have done the Hall of Fame last week. Um, that would have probably been the
4: answer. Yeah, um, but then they wouldn't have had the time. Like, they uh, needed something yeah. for the Tuesday. Um, I think the bigger question, though, I think this, apart from, say, Batista, who's actively said, I only want to go in the Hall of Fame with a big crowd. They're getting to a point that there's really not, no one that's like, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame in 2022? Like, I can't think of it really anybody Undert- that's... Undertaker.
1: <sighs> yeah.
4: Okay, so, so you, you've you got Undertaker and Batista.
1: Yeah, they're the only like, two keynote guys that I can think of at Cena. Seen as the other one that's got to go in at some stage, Daniel Bryan, well, when he retires.
4: So, but does, he, does he retire next year? Like, is to, to me, I sit there and go, if you're going to have a celebrity in next year, it'll probably be, you know, Bob Barker or somebody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <didn't he> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you can do posthumous ones like Eddie Guerrero's in it,
1: yeah. yeah but not pos- boy. Posthumous for the celebrity would be an interesting. It takes away the the reason for even having the celebrity.
4: When does does Hurricane get inducted? That's my big question. Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, he'd be due. Um, But I don't think he's like the... They like to have that one big keynote guy every year. And um, you are right. They are going to be running out of those. But I felt like Eric Bischoff should have been that guy this year.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, if you get, if you give him twenty to thirty minutes, he, yeah, he could headline a, a, hall of fame. But like, all right, they have to tighten it up for the TV restraints or wherever they're showing the hall of fame. But maybe they are, on their network. They do like the special three sixty five or whatever the, their their docu series. Oh, are. there'll be
1: ten of those coming out.
2: Yeah, it's like they do an hour on Bischoff, an hour on the NWO, Molly Holly. Um, I don't like our chances on Liger, but you know, Davy Boy, well, you know, the, the ballers. Molly,
1: Molly Holly um, released her full planned speech. Onto, I've seen that on Twitter. I haven't listened to it yet, but they're definitely she has read out her full speech. So that's something we wow. got to look out and read of the actual people she wanted to thank. But um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, she thanked all of the crew. That was mm. who she named by name in her speech. Was the crew who she used to spend her time with, not the not the wrestlers. Which it's just an incredibly classy thing to do.
4: Well, that was why the um that was what the Warrior Award <laughs> was originally about, wasn't it? There was and that yeah, idea that it's about the it's the, un- the guys in the back. And yeah. this year is the first year they've
1: actually sort of awarded it for what it was actually originally planned for. Mm. Um, I am going to drop stuff off this run sheet Because we're running long But um, Wrestle Rock we've, We touched on it briefly uh, That was a fantastic show um,
2: Greatest show talk, in Australian history
1: My well, match talk of the year Already about, on the- I, want to, I want to talk a little bit about that match Between um, Lockie Hendricks And Drunk Uncle Bij. Uh I think everyone's going to need To sign up for Um, the Australian wrestling network for when that show comes up. Because if you don't watch that show and enjoy yourself as a wrestling fan, for just, it was basically Lockie and Uncle Bees' love letter to WrestleMania. And
4: it was entertaining as fuck. And like, that's, that's the the best part about it is like, you know, to, to pull, pull back just a tiny bit. When, when we spoke about the match and I said to, to drunk uncle beach while he was in a haze of being drunk, I'm like <laughs> what did he got planned? And he's just gone. He said mania and then disappeared in a, in a cloud of V B etc. But it's, it was the perfect thing. I, I, I was supposed to go back straight after the, I did the Fuji salt, but then I went, nah, fuck this. I'm just going to watch this absolute mayhem occur and perch myself right next to Jules and French. And it was perfect because again, it's storytelling. It's silly. It's funny. It's heartfelt. And it was, you could tell that there was a lot of love for the source material.
1: And the crowd, um, and I think this will happen to everybody who watches at home, when you're watching it, um, you're yelling out the mania it's from or the match it's from and you feel like you're part of it because you're like, what's happening next? And it's like, oh, that's WrestleMania 5, that's WrestleMania 7 and 9. It was was legitimately one of the most fun experiences of watching wrestling I think I can remember having and it's what I needed.
4: Yeah, Julian James didn't know a single thing that was happening in that match, but was able <laughs> to was able to, at, like, at a drop of a hat, go. She's loved him. She's always <laughs> loved him. A la Liz and Savage uh, <laughs> was able to pull was able to pick that. I'm just glad he went with, in the blink yeah. of an eye.
1: Um, I know he's uh, Jules is um, an underrated talent. Still, after all these years, I remember the first time I ever met Jules was at a random indie show, um, I'm going to say 15, 20 years ago. He was a very young man. He's always been a very handsome man, Jules. And um, he was doing the live commentary at that. And he was the most, we're thinking 20 years ago, Australian thing. he was the most entertaining thing on that card.
4: Mm. No, I've always said when I grow up, I want to be Julian James.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, but he just... he. he he hasn't grown up yet, so what
4: opens head for me
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, look everyone should really uh really check that out because it was a lot of fun and i will be i think I will be putting that on some lists at the end of the year um, anyway let's talk about some upcoming events this weekend uh p c w slam featuring all the young guys on Tree Gully on Friday the ninth of April um in Sydney, uh, there'll be a lot of yelling of "SAR" as AWF runners show. It's called Back in Blacktown. Nice uh, nice uh, to see TNT still rolling around. Um, oh, that pun is terrible. On the 10th, on Saturday the 10th, we've got Morning Beers uh, with DMDU as they host the Spring Break show at the Cheeky Pint in Footscray.
4: And remember, um, fans, if you find Joel Bateman and say, Horco sent me, you can buy him a beer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you can probably buy him a beer without saying that. I don't think Joel says no too often to a beer. No, he um, doesn't, but, but he's going to make me, it more interactive. But um, RCW have Rise to Power, um, which is at the ARC. Royce Chambers is on that card because in Melbourne, we cannot have nice things, apparently. Um. He's not booked in Melbourne this weekend, which is a shock to me.
4: Well, hopefully he'll uh, make it back in time for WrestleBrain.
1: Well, hopefully he will. Uh, UPW in Queensland, I've got a charity show raising money for cancer research and MCW Fallout is on a Thornbury. That show's sold out, um, I believe, that Wednesday. I haven't looked into it. It's Wednesday or Thursday that the stream will come become available for that. Um, and then on Sunday... We have Russell Brainier on at the Catfish. It's PCW versus DMdu with an impartial referee who did a fantastic job. Definitely, uh, the first two weeks.
4: Yeah. So um, here's the difference, fellas, fellas. his difference. You paid me. No, we I've didn't. Made, I've we went fair made, and square. I've made no, you know, um, hiding of the fact that you know Joel's my best friend. He ain't gonna lose this. I hope he's on Tosh's team because otherwise Tosh is going to lose for the third week in a row. <laughs>
2: well,
1: I mean, let's well, face it. You didn't even last the whole show out last week. So um, anything
4: could happen at WrestleBrainia, including that's, you getting super kicked. That's only because, yeah, Murdoch kicked me in the dick. <laughs> he's it a good was, shot then. It was square on the dick. <laughs> <laughs> be a million to one shot, wouldn't it? Uh, you know, it's like hitting Womp Rats <laughs> back home at, at Beggar's Canyon.
1: Anyway, so don't buy Joel too many beers on Saturday. It needs to be in some sort of a state for Wrestlebrania. Tickets I'll are signed the fast. There's, there's like seven left, so get on that now. Um, the winner of that show gets the opportunity to lose to us in the final.
4: Um, oh, P.S. boys. Um, my fees tripled for finals, so... Uh,
1: Well, Tony was about to save some money um, for the final, so we'll have to work on this. But um, next week, just tune in. We have Kingsley joining us, which will be a lot of fun. Thanks, Jules, for stepping into Tony's easy-to-fill shoes.
3: It's an upgrade, that's for sure. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: And thank you,
4: Hawker. You've been a fantastic guest. I just remembered this is an audio podcast, so I can't really do a Zandig pose. and It's not going to make any sense. Audio Zandig pose. Thanks, Gents.
1: <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Catch us next week where we'll have Kingsley,
4: and make sure you get to Wrestle Brainer if you're in Melbourne on Sunday.